Hello and welcome to the Convivio Agency Leadership Podcast. I'm Steve Parks. I'm joined by Dr. Joe Baker. And this week we're joined by our guest, uh, Vicky Young from NALA. Uh, now, Vicky, uh, you've been leading NALA for quite a while. You are the founder as well. Tell us a little bit about the business first before we get into your leadership. Um, well, that's quite right, Steve. I set up the business um, 10 years ago. Um, I was a 28-year-old um, kind of almost thrown into agency life. I dare I say it slightly by accident in the beginning. Um, I left the agency I was at, decided um, to try and go freelance. None of the uh, freelance agencies were getting me any work. And so I thought, right, you know, I was fine. I'll set up on my own. And then I thought, actually, it really bugged me in my last agency who thought a sort of brand built really amazing brands don't get me wrong really amazing brands awarding an agency but then when i got passed over to the digital side it was just that was it so um i thought actually i'm going to start my own thing that really looks at how brands are talking in digital spaces and can take people on that complete journey um and yeah 10 years later i'm still here <laughs> and how prepared were you for actually being in charge of something, for taking that leadership role? Had your previous experience in agencies helped or where had you learned that from? Um, yeah, definitely not agencies. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I think being a leader goes back to all experiences from all life. So when I was a student, um, I had a job at a gym and I quickly became duty manager so I think I learned a lot about management and running people and motivating people actually at a gym, working a Saturday job um, and keeping everyone in line, you know, and at that time I was probably what, oh, 20, 20, how old are you at uni, 23, 24? And actually in, with the keys to the castle, the whole, whole massive gym, it was a big gym as well, um, in charge of everything. And I think that's where I learned, learned how to be a leader really, more so than agencies. Yeah. And had you done any sort of anti-pattern learning about leadership? So in agency world, had you seen ways that you didn't want to lead? Had you learned that way? Um, yes. Yes, <laughs> I guess that's true. Uh, yeah. So the initial couple of agencies I was at, um, definitely I learned where, what I wanted to bring um, and also maybe what I wanted to leave behind um, from being at those agencies. And I think they were two quite contrasting agencies at the time. Um, and um well, I'm very relaxed, um, which was fantastic, but I left because I got complete frustration about um, hierarchy um, and I didn't feel like there was any development. And I joined an agency that had loads of development, but there was really strong hierarchy and that equally frustrated me because I couldn't get anything through and it felt like whatever the oldest person in the room said went um, and you couldn't contribute any sort of ideas or development. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> in that sense, I very much did. So then you started your own thing and did you kind of mindfully shape it the way that you wanted to lead it, the way you wanted it to be and to feel? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I very much shaped it um, how, how I wanted and what I thought was right. And um, certainly people who've been in to support me, the business consultants and whatnot, have certainly said like, wow, like this is for, for you know, an agency, this is the most organised I've ever seen a HR uh, feedback be, you know, your, your half year reviews are, are, you know, the structures, they're commendable. So I do think the bits that bugged me, I've kind of extra plus, I guess, in some senses. Yeah. And so how have you used that to get the hierarchy right then, the, that bit that frustrated you? Um, yeah. So for me, in terms of the hierarchy, I think it was really clear what I needed to do um, was to be 
all right, there needs to be a hierarchy, but it needed to be open and people needed to feel that they're contributing to the business at whatever level. So what I've done is introduced uh, real kind of feedback channels. So there is absolutely a hierarchy, but there's things like retros. We run every every uh, quarter where everyone contributes what, what's gone right, what's gone wrong, what do we want to work on? And people are assigned development, you know, like, okay, you take that bit or you make sure we do X, Y, Z. Um, so to make people accountable in the business, but there still is a very much a, you know, People know who the directors are and the, <laughs> the leaders are um, in, in terms of day to day, but it allows people to have that voice, which mm. I felt definitely didn't happen in the second agency I was at. <laughs> and have you found your leadership has changed over the years you've run the agency? Do you feel you've evolved and how have you done that? Oh, good question. Um, I think it probably naturally has. Um, I think, you know, when you start out, I mean, it was just me, uh, me and an intern, and then me and a couple of members of staff. And I think when it's like that, it's sort of, you know, you get to be in complete control when you've got people supporting you in your, in your vision to making that. And I think as an agency gets bigger, you need to le- loosen the reins. And I think that can be uh, very challenging. So in the sense of that as kind of like, um, yeah, being able to be comfortable with things leaving a studio without you even seeing it. And I'm talking right from creative right through to proposals and, and pitches in some more recent cases and not kind of overseeing it and just being like, yeah, they've got it, it's fine, um, which, which can be quite challenging in its own sense. How did you learn to do that? What, what are your tips for you know being able to let go of stuff? I think as soon as you realise you can't be in control of everything and and if you do try and be in control of anything, it's just really, really stressful. Um, And I think the biggest kind of learning jump for me was actually when I fell pregnant and I, you know, obviously had to take time out of the business to have my baby. And that was the point where I was really like, okay, you just got no option. So I think from that point on, I've definitely never stepped back into sort of the tendency to micromanage. Or I'd like to think that I haven't. I've lost my team if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. And you brought other directors in as well, didn't you? What was yeah. that like? You know, how did you go about finding the right people um, and developing them and making sure that they ran Nala in the way that you wanted? Yeah, so um, I yeah the d- directors in a sense when they when they joined it was being really clear even from interview stage like what what I wanted um, and very much talking about you know wanting a sort of you know a right hand person that can really kind of drive this part of the business forward and and I think very much including them at top line business direction so it's you know the directors are, are kind of are treated. I guess a bigger agency that would be called head of or maybe even board members. Um, but yeah, they're very much included in, you know, you know, the, the decisions of the business at every level um, and having structured kind of well-informed kind of sessions, you know, every other week, it's a director's catch up, it's an hour. We will talk through, our, you know, a loose agenda, make sure we've all got our priorities right and any challenges in the business. And I do seek their counsel on some of my decisions as well. You know, as sole owner, it can be quite lonely at the top. And so I kind of, it's awesome to have like a director team below me that can kind of validate that. And and I think that expectation was there right from the beginning. Um, In terms of development, I guess I'm more of a hands-off leader. I think I had some recent feedback saying that, um, you know, in, in one of our half-year reviews, the question was, "Oh, do you have the right support and guidance on where to go next? And you know, do you, you know feel like you have adequate training?" 
and um, one of my directors put um i feel like i definitely have the i can access the right training but i have to identify it and find it myself which i think is maybe one of my weaknesses where you're so busy on everything else i'm just like you know it's self-development <laughs> or do you want support and i'll probably sign it off if you if you want to do a get a mentor or do a course or whatever but um i definitely think that's one of my sort of achilles heels that i kind of Another um, person said, oh, you kind of tend to drop us in the deep end of the swimming pool and see if we can swim, but you're there with a kind of float <laughs> if we need it. <laughs> so I very much run like that. Um, most people swim. <laughs> yeah. And finding the right balance, because the balance is diff- different for everybody, for every leader and for every one of their team. That's, that's you know, a very different balance. How do you figure out what the right approach is? You know, how do you know when you want to be more proactive and, you know, guide people? And how do you just step back? I think it, uh, oh, that's quite a, I think being naturally more like empathetic person, I think I'm quite able to spot when people are struggling quite often I'm like, are you okay? And then, you know, you know like, how did you know? <laughs> so, like, so I think there's a lot of like hidden messages in, in, in people, how they behave, what they're saying. And you can, I can instantly know when someone's not quite right. And, you know, I'll give it a few days thinking, oh, is it a, you know, a cold or a, a fight with a loved one or something? And then if it kind of goes on a bit, then I tend to ask. Um, and I think from, from, from being quite open and, you know, you know, um, I read this book called Radical Candor. I don't know if you guys have read it, but it was very much about being quite honest with feedback. And I definitely adopt um, some of that methodology and saying, look, you know, kind of, I feel like you need support here. Um, you know, what, what do you what do you think? And you know, I think this I think this didn't work out because of this. Am I right? Kind of question. And suddenly the floodgates are opened. And people feel like, oh God, yeah, actually that was why I didn't perform on that project or that was why I'm kind of feeling really stressed out. I think it's just being really tapped into the emotional presence of people as well as, you know, what we do as a job. I think it's a, it's a really good balance, I'm trying to get a really good balance. Have you still been able to do that effectively during the pandemic, uh, oh, during remote working? Yeah, I think that I really struggle with um I, I strongly believe that you just can't get the same engagement um, over, you know, a screen. It's really hard to tell body responses, you know, you only see from like here upwards. And so it's kind of really tricky to kind of, you know, just from head and shoulders, um, you know, that's not the only part of body language. So it has been a challenge and, and I do think it has affected and there has been definitely some occasions where, you know, I didn't handle things as well as I could or didn't react as quickly as I would have probably been in the studio. Um, but I think now we're hopefully um, continuing to come out of the pandemic, um, she says with a big deep breath, um, that I feel like, you know, we are, we've just, you know, found a new studio and we are doing, you know, flexi working spaces. And I do think that's really helped, you know, just being able to see people in person and suddenly your sort of ninja skills in that department, you can pick up an atmosphere in person. I hate pitching on Zooms for the the very same reason. It's impossible to pick up the vibe of the room and be able to kind of twist how you communicate um, just on a screen, staring at one person. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody can uh, can feel that to a, a very large extent at the moment. You know, mm. the relief of finally being able to have some a few 
COVID safe meetups and a few one-to-ones and things uh, is is great. Um, so you, earlier you mentioned that you and the directors sort of once a week have an hours meeting where you have a bit of a catch up about things. Do you have a forum, a way that you can sort of work together on the bigger strategic things? Do you have retreats or sort of more you know, structured board meetings where you, you deal with the longer term? How do you approach that sort of, you know, taking a higher altitude and looking further ahead thing? Yeah, so the answer to that is no, but also working on that this year. So previously, um, a lot of the decisions that, you know, we'd, we'd have our group meetings, I'd float something and, and you know, the director team would be like, yeah, no, or, or input, etc. cetera. Um, and I think a lot got driven out of those retro meetings as well from all of the staff, you know, kind of knowing what was going on and then being able to input. Um, and one of the things I identified um, more so recently is that actually um, we want to take the business to the next level and it's sort of been bobbing. I mean, we've had growth year on year and, and you know, to make a profit in a year of a pandemic, you know, is a, is a great thing to celebrate. But um, half of me is like, it's, it's, it's never enough. So, um, so what I'm doing at the moment is really kind of trying to put those big structures in and, and you know, toying with the idea of a, a non-exec board potentially, um, you know, on a, on a kind of coming in, you know, every quarter potentially to feed in. But my first task was to actually set up that. So we've set up a three-year vision in this first quarter and started to kind of structure out what the end goal is in, in three years and being able to kind of break it down reading into the EOS and the Gino Wickman, I believe his name is, traction book, um, and bringing some of that methodology, although not following it to a, to a T, I think it's been helpful. But um, I've never done a, um, a kind of director's retreat. I've always loved the idea and felt that it would be hugely beneficial, A, for the mind, body and so on, also to the business, um, but never quite got that far. As a small business, it's quite a challenging thing. You know, it's kind of, you know, three or four of us on a retreat. Is that a bit weird? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we haven't actually implemented anything on that side of things. Okay, well, Vicky, thank you very much for joining us on the Convivio podcast uh, this episode. Uh, Joe, you've been listening to that. What are some of the points you've taken away from what Vicky's been saying? Well, yeah, thanks, Steve. The, the, the thing that I connected with most immediately it reflects my experience in, in academia. I loved the way that Vicky talked about um, the sources of inspiration for her as a leader coming from such a diverse range of places. When I was, was studying, I purposefully put myself between departments in, in the academic circle because I wanted to have that um, interaction between different ways of thinking on um, related subjects, seeing what different academics were were, were tackling, uh, dealing with, sorry, when tackling the same subject. And, and Vicky's essentially has done that in leadership in that um, she's used her experience in management uh, in the gym, as she said, and in these different agencies and in other, other work she had at earlier, st- earlier stages of her career. And worked out what's the most useful stuff of that what actually helps uh in making the decisions you need to run an agency to um manage your staff and i I really resonated with that i think it's a it's brilliant and probably you know one of those kind of um secret source kind of recipes if you want to be a leader 
um, first of all, learn about leadership by seeing it in all kinds of circumstances, um, people having to react. The, the thing she said about um, having to run a gym when she was very young, uh, this big gym, is that you're having to deal with personal issues immediately with your attention span constantly being grabbed. And that, that I was really was a really fascinating thing, I think, to have, to have learnt and then worked out, well, what does that mean uh, when I become an agency leader? Yeah. Yeah, and there's so many ways and different places to learn leadership and all of them help in building you up. You know, none of them are invalid. None of them are so totally different. You know, people can even pick things up by, you know, leading a scout group or, you know, whatever else. And so, you know, at a young age to be given responsibility in a business like that and a chance to lead a team and, you know, be responsible for the customers and the premises that day. That's a great way to learn it. Also, though, she learned from what she didn't want to do in leadership. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing is it's easy to try to emulate people you admire. You think, oh, I really want to be like that. But to have the um, a kind of attention to say oh, that thing doesn't work or that thing I really don't like because it's it's problematic uh, was very smart. And somehow she's you know, clearly lodged that in her mind uh, relatively early on and very, very smart thing to do. Yeah, really good. And, and it's one of those things, you, I suppose you also don't need to experience that firsthand, as it were, uh, working for a manager uh, or a, a leader, um, but you can see, you know, witness it secondhand by observing other people as they interact with each other. Um, and maybe being a, you know, um, a peer, uh, having a peer relationship with leaders in other organisations, witnessing what they do and thinking, yeah, I, I, there's some of that which I really want to learn, some of that maybe I, I won't do. Yeah, yeah and it's you really interesting. You can even pick it up from fiction. I remember when I was doing the notes on the Mad Men episodes and what agency leaders mm. can learn from those, you know, mm. sitting there and realizing that actually, although this is fiction and it's just been made up by writers, it is drawn from reality and it's drawn from how human beings are in these settings. And there's a lot of lessons to learn there. So you can even learn something about leadership, in particular, the ways that you don't want to be a leader <laughs> by watching mm. some of these, uh, these fictional programs. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. So, yeah, sit down in front of the office and you can pick up some of the same things as you can <laughs> yeah, yeah. working in a, a slightly tricky agency environment. Yes, OK, exactly. um, so uh, moving on from there, you know, so she's taken those lessons into her business. She's taken the style of leadership that she wants. One of the things she reflects on was that she wanted to give that idea of, you know, the opportunities for progression within an agency and what she termed hierarchy, you know, that ability to move up between levels within a business and take on different responsibilities and so on, and has applied those. And one of the things that struck me was she mentioned one of the tools she uses for enabling that is quarterly retros. Um, and that seemed like a really interesting idea. Retrospectives where once a quarter she gets all of the staff together and they talk about what went well, what didn't, what they can learn, what they can improve. And then people, you know, everyone on the team is taking away different bits from that that they are going to be responsible for making happen and for enacting. And that seemed like a really good uh, tool for, for doing that. Yeah, Steve, you and I have both uh, worked in digital stuff. And so we kind of understand the idea of a retrospective. But I've also worked for um, people, I'm sure you have as well, uh, who don't like looking backwards, only like looking forwards. When uh, implementing a new strategy or a new system, discover it doesn't work three or four months into it and say, oh, that's not working. Let's go this direction instead without any you know, reflection back on you know, what, 
what didn't go right? Uh, you know, have we got the sense of a something which could go well if it was just done slightly differently? You know, don't want to learn uh, and just want to move forward. But actually, there is, you know, as you know from from retrospectives, so much that can be worked out about. Uh, or understood, sorry, about, you know, why have things gone well? Should be worried that they're all going well? Or, you know, why why are things going badly and, and what's going on? Um, uh, and often it's a time to hear the voices of those who wouldn't normally be able to speak about their experience of what's going on inside a project team or the business at large or, or whatever. Retrospectives are incredibly valuable parts of, of um you know, of, of organisational life. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And just by brilliant. I'm really inspired to hear that she's she's um, chosen to put that in as a solid kind of concrete um, part of the rhythm of life mm. in her And agency. just by choosing to carve out the time, it gives people permission to bring things up that perhaps are in the back of their mind and they'd like to talk about, but are mm. not the kind of thing where it says, you know, excuse me, everyone, let's talk about this. So mm. you need to create that space on a regular cadence that allows people to raise those issues and to, to discuss them and figure out ways to improve. There seems to be a thing in leadership as well, doesn't there, about um, feeling as if you need to be the one with all the answers all the time, that people look to you to, to be the one who knows. You're the one who's got the direction and the strategy and the system and the method. But um, holding retrospective is a remarkably humble thing to do, to say, well, it's I don't have all the answers. I've got you know some principles I'm working to, but this is a time for us all to learn, to reflect, to to collectively um, you know contribute to this and to to learn how to improve things. Yeah, and I that's a really good point because leadership is then not just about saying you know here's the direction, this is what we're all going to do. You do this, you do that, you do the other. It is you know leadership is a kind of an art of facilitation as much as it is uh, anything else, and facilitation skills are key. So being able to do something like that retrospective and facilitate everybody discussing and deciding is a great thing. Yeah, that's a great point, Joe. Um, now then she moved on to this sort of um, you know how she progressed within the agency and you know the different phases she went through and she needed to develop the team around her. She needed to build the trust in them as well. Yeah, I'm glad you've brought that out, Steve, actually, because um, it's something which we've noticed uh, in our previous episodes, both with Paul in our last one and, and Sue before that, um, that people have spoken about, I mean, they've used slightly different language for it, but um, I, I love the phrase Paul Bellows used, I think, particularly um, calling them inflection points, moments at which an organisation needs to change. Frequently, we've seen that come about when there's a kind of a, a growth stage in in numbers, uh, usually numbers and people, but sometimes you know financial numbers as well. Um, but the interesting thing, which we, which um, Vicky pointed out, was that uh, in her own experience, that there was also a life change for her um, becoming pregnant and needed to take uh, maternity leave um, that precipitated this structural um, practical change in the way the business um, was running it seemed if I understood what she said it seemed to kind of coincide with a size kind of threshold as well about 10 12 15 ish people um, which seems quite common uh, but it was at that point at which Vicky need to needed to make a big change in her leadership style to adapt um, to it and that um, pregnancy and maternity leave kind of brought that on We've witnessed that in other places, haven't we? 
Um, yeah, and it can be a really good, you know, when you there's no option out, there's no way to say, you know, look, mm. I'm not going to bother going to the hospital for this. <laughs> I'll I'll just be at my desk uh, and I'll crack on, um, or anything else. You know, you for a while, you that is it. It has to take over your life. It has to be the priority, and so therefore, the fact that you need to step away from work and you know this is coming makes you do that preparation. Um, and I think it's one of the ways in which female leaders can be great. You know, if they go through this life change, it's great. And male leaders just tend to opt out of having the parental leave and go, oh, I can't really because I'm a bit busy and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of the ways in which as we try and bring more equality to business and to the agency sector in particular, I think it should become more of a mandatory thing that even if it is your business and you are in charge, you must take the proper parental leave uh, and it should be equal amounts for each and obviously that has to be worked towards but it should be the aspiration because it actually forces very good things to happen within a business because the business has to become not totally reliant on one person being there to make every decision and so on so it could be a very good rite of passage for all businesses if they have this. And maybe you don't need to rely on such a life-changing event to trigger that. Maybe there are other ways that, you know, you have to get better at taking holidays as a leader. You have to, all these kind of things so that you know you will need to let go of things for a while. You will detach completely. Other people will take charge and it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was interesting in that that uh, Vicky talked about that being. I, I think they were connected. The time at which he started to think about bringing on people, in particularly um, roles, senior senior management roles. I'm doing this with my fingers all the time. I'm terribly sorry. So, so I'm thinking out loud. Um, the, the Vicky chose that as the moment at which he brought on um, directors or, or heads of departments, and that was a necessary change that she made. And I, yeah, so that was a, a, a really interesting kind of moment of development in the in the, the business. So yes, so that she's brought on these directors, but they're at the moment working more as a management team, I think. So there isn't sort of a, a board meeting, not dealing with more strategic issues, not sort of retreats, but she's saying that that's what they want to be working on now. So they've set this three-year plan and the idea is that they can then begin to think about this three-year uh, horizon. And so Vicky's wanting to bring in more of a sort of a board approach, might even bring in non-exec directors as well, creating that more strategic forum. And this is, again, something we hear a lot from agencies as, as agencies emerge from this period of crisis. There is this wish to have a little bit more strategic thinking, perhaps learn some of the, you know, from the stresses of the last couple of years, that having that strategic forum, having that planning ahead, that sort of broader thinking can be really valuable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was curious, as uh, Vicky was talking about that, um, has she seemed slightly hesitant about taking um, the, the team, the senior management team away as a board, uh, almost as if it was a slight indulgence um, that they had to earn themselves, earn the right to do. Um, but I think in, in both of our experiences, Steve, you and I, um, we've seen people who, who do that with their business and it being a, a, an amazing moment of growth, actually getting away from the phone and the email and the hubbub of the office life and, and so on and so forth and going away somewhere um, to have the um, intense time uh, and also the kind of the slack time to allow the mind to kind of roll over some of the issues and to talk much more intensely about um, uh, issues that would be 
um, buried under the day-to-day -day normally um, to take those and, and talk about them in much more detail and over a much longer period of time those those precise things can be um, very catalytic for the, the business advancing changing developing growing adapting as you need to say you know move into a new um, you know to make to make a pivot to move into a new market um, or, or something like that to begin working on a new product or a new type of client a um, new sector yeah. and you know th I think that nervousness about how to make that time work and how to make it valuable I think that's very common um, and you know to give a brief plug that's something that we're going to be working on facilitating you know facilitating board retreats and board meetings to make them more productive because we've done a lot of that research into what should be in board meetings and retreats and so on and the kind of ways in which that can be discussed and uh, worked on so in the future of convivio that's something to look out for and um, we'll be looking at ways of supporting agency leaders in making their boards work for them very effectively and you know owners retreats directors retreats so keep an eye out on convivio.com and you'll begin to see some of that stuff taking shape uh, in the future as we work out how to support agency leaders in creating um, um, that sort of you know more strategic way of working and looking further ahead uh, but in the meantime we've just published this report on agency radar uh, a what works where we've been looking at how do fast-moving technology companies make their boards of directors work and what can creative agencies learn from that so there's a report out uh, at agencyradar.io if you want to go and take a look at that so back to what Vicky was talking about there, um, she was talking about sort of wanting to set up that board and so on, but she was also talking about these kind of how she's felt a bit detached and frustrated because she's quite an empathetic leader and she wants to kind of be with people and in the pandemic trying to suss people's feelings out remotely has been tricky and I, I guess that's very common Joe. Yeah, I, I have been reflecting whether that's tied more closely to personality type. Clearly, I mean, I'd love to work with Vicky. She sounds delightful. I don't know her very well, um, but she sounds utterly delightful. And that kind of empathetic nature, the need to be close to people, to understand body language, uh, as she was talking about it. But it seems, feels to me, actually, even larger than being able to read body language. But um, emoting with people's own kind of felt experiences. Uh, especially in in the midst of the, the crisis that's you know the social and personal crisis that the the pandemic's been um yeah so i wonder whether a lot of personality is is driving that kind of need to be back close to people to have the interpersonal um uh connection again uh that um video calling just doesn't allow as as you said so so well you're seeing people from the chest up only mm. yeah really really profound and i guess a lot of us leaders are feeling exactly that kind of thing um part of what what makes us buzz is being around the team uh, being presenting you know presenting you know, in pitches in front of potential clients and and so yeah. on and that's something we're really missing but she said she'd found the book Radical Candor very useful. And this is a book that I've heard other leaders mention as well. And it is a great book. And it's, you know, so she's taken that principle of during this time when it's a bit harder to read people, she's more directly asking, 
you know, how people are doing and being quite direct about, are you okay? And is this thing affecting you? And um, that's the thing to try and draw it out of people. But I guess very much looking forward to much more regular working in person uh, for her personality type. And yes, you, you don't know Vicky very well. I know Vicky Reesme and she is an absolutely brilliant leader. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things that's with this podcast is that uh, I'm inviting leaders that I really respect and leaders that I would like to be like, um, uh, sort of, you know, really bringing them on. And we've had a series so far of just brilliant people. And Vicky's definitely one of those. Um, on the next edition of this podcast, we're going to be talking to another one of those, Jim Bowes, who leads Manifesto. It's an agency that he's grown over the years and he's dealt with many different changes along the way, including merging it into a company that they then IPO'd. Um, and he's now gradually uh, stepping back from as well. So there's a fantastic story there coming up on the next edition of the Convivio Agency Leaders podcast. If you've enjoyed this edition, do please like us on iTunes or whatever it is they do, the cool kids do on iTunes with these podcasts. Um, and do recommend it to other agency leaders. We really want to spread the word, spread the stories of some of these great agency leaders and what they're doing. So please do recommend it to others in the agency leaders' chats and groups and meetups and whatever else. Uh, and join us on the next episode, which will be out in two weeks' time. In the meantime, thanks very much for listening. Goodbye.